Welcome to the Rebel Physician Podcast, where we are creating a path for physicians to break free from the toxic medical system to create an enjoyable and a sustainable career in medicine. Join us each week as we challenge the status quo, push boundaries, and seek to create a better healthcare system for all. Hello there. This week, we are going to talk about bullshit physician wellness programs. (laughs) And this is actually a call, a recording from a call that I did within the um, Rebel Physician community last week. And I wanted to share it here as well. While normally these conversations stay within the Rebel Physician community, this topic um, was really well received and people had a lot of resonance with it and related a lot to it. So whenever that happens, I feel like it should be shared in a broader context, which is why I'm sharing the recording of this call as a podcast episode. So basically, it's all about why most physician wellness programs in hospitals or student wellness programs in medical schools or residencies are useless, basically, or almost use as like a leverage tool by the organization as a way to say, oh, we offer this, but actually does not benefit the physicians at all. And is and in some cases can be detrimental to them. So this is a episode that I I definitely want you to listen to, even if you're not involved in some sort of wellness committee or wellness program, because I think that there are some pretty good tips as far as what to do to kind of take this into your own hands for either your organization or just yourself, if um, depending on where you are kind of on your journey. So take a listen this week. I did make it home safely from Hawaii. It was one of the most life-altering times, events of my entire life. Um, I really came back rejuvenated, excited, and learned so many wonderful lessons and felt like I shed so many more layers of conditioning. And of course, that is going to be a lifelong process, but I felt like I made some really amazing progress over the the week in Hawaii. So take a listen to this episode, share it with a friend, especially if they're the chief wellness officer or in a wellness program or on a committee for one. And at the end, I did stop recording and the conversation that we had after this discussion was really, really good. And by the request of the members in the community, I did stop the recording so that everyone felt comfortable sharing. And that is probably the most powerful aspect of this whole thing. So I encourage you to join us in the Rebel Physician community. If you're not already there, it's totally free. It includes every course, workshop, et cetera, that I've ever done. And also it includes these regular kind of community calls where we either just kind of come together and to collaborate and connect, or I have topics based on what the community wants and that sort of thing. So www.rebelphysician.com to join that free community. Have a great week. All right. So this whole wellness program comment that came to me this week is kind of been like lingering under the surface for a while, talking to several physicians who are either involved in wellness spaces in their hospitals or school, or if they work in a school or residency program, 
or they're on a committee or they're the chief wellness officer and they're just really, really disillusioned with what is actually going on in these spaces. And what is happening is basically hospitals know, organizations, healthcare institutions know what a freaking shit show healthcare is right now. But most of them, unfortunately, still care more about the bottom line than they do about actual healthcare sustainability and what that looks like in, in, in physician wellness, in nurse wellness, in any healthcare practitioner wellness. So here we are with a bunch of wellness committees that essentially, despite most of them having good intentions, I think that there are, you know, physicians or nurses or there are healthcare workers on these committees wanting to do good work, knowing the problem. And then they end up even more frustrated than they before because nothing is being done. And so essentially what happens is they are either not given any sort of budget or they're given very strict guidelines about what can and cannot be done or they make recommendations after speaking to the physicians and they're just not listened to at all. And it's it's really more, it's almost like in most cases, the majority of cases with these wellness committees, wellness programs, it's more for like the facade of the organization. Oh, we care about wellness. We have this wellness program. We have wellness week. Then it is actually making a difference in the organization. So you can please feel free to drop something in the chat if if you have a different experience or if this has been your experience, because that kind of helps me to know where to go next. So with those of us who have it on our hearts to help others in some capacity, help other students, residents, physicians, whatever that is, what do we do within the confines of programs that are not effective. And a couple of things I want to talk about are things that maybe the, you know, book, <laughs> the um, manual wellness program, maybe I don't think about some topics to bring to these organizations that we could explain in a way that would make it worthwhile for them to investigate. And I also do want to touch on some things that the individual physician can do so like if you're not in a place to even care about anyone else but yourself, and that is a very valid place to be, like literally no judgment. I think the most important thing for most physicians actually is to just focus on their own personal well-being. So if that's you, if you're just kind of like, I don't want to rely on, I can't help anyone else right now. I just need to like stop myself from drowning. Then we're going to talk at the end about what to do about that without any real life support in your organization. So a couple of things wellness programs I think should really consider. Help with contract negotiation. Now, this may be a hard sell <laughs> to your organization because that's threatening to them. Because when they hear contract negotiation, what they think is happening is increased money pay. And while that certainly may be part of it, there's so much more to contract negotiation than just financial incentive. So what could be really useful would be to offer, you know, finding a good physician focused lawyer or someone who 
is familiar with contract negotiation, like a physician coach or something like that, who knows contracts, who can bring to light some of the things that are for sure red flags. And these can be workshops, these can be recorded calls, anything like that. And the important thing here is what are some red flags to look out for when physicians are negotiating a contract? Another thing that should be spoken about is what other incentives are there besides financial incentives that would make physicians more feel more valued and involved in the organization and physicians oftentimes don't even think about these things because no one tells us to and organizations don't know really what we want that would make us feel like we had more autonomy and we were appreciated so Things like extra vacation days or working a half day once every three weeks or your own parking space that's really close to your entrance or it could be even like free food in the cafeteria at the hospital. These things don't feel like as much of a hit to hospitals as say, I need $15,000 a year, <laughs> which I'm not saying don't ask for that. You definitely shouldn't ask for that. But these are some things that we don't always think about. Like, are there things that would make me feel like I had some breathing room in my job? Other things that wellness programs, wellness committees could address that may kind of skirt around the restrictions that are placed on them is considering opt-out only therapy or coaching, or some sort of support. And the key here is that it needs to be during blocked clinical time, meaning I'm not coming in at 7 a.m. to meet with a therapist and then having to re, you know, figure out my family situation in order to make these appointments. It's at 10 a.m. I could, and those, those four patient visits or six patient visits in that hour are blocked and I have time, you know, 10 minutes to travel, 30 minute appointment, more travel in order to attend these visits. Very important. Another thing, and this might be a harder stretch, but something that is equally as important is optional play time activities that is protected and encouraged, but again, optional, so not required. So this would look something like play rounds, which I've talked about in various aspects in the past. Play rounds meaning it's like grand rounds. So during protected time, eight o'clock in the morning or whatever, and physicians can choose to either have extra time with their family or sleep in, or they can come to an activity that's really just play. Like we're gonna play wiffle ball for an hour. We're gonna build spaghetti towers for an hour. If you've been around in my world at all in the last six to twelve months, you know that I am I harp on the importance of play a lot because it's just it's like the one key that we know from neuroscience that improves confidence, helps with balance, improves mood, decreases anxiety. I mean, there's nothing else like it to help with uh, with our 
medical career sustainability, and we just do not use it enough. So a wellness program or a wellness committee could work on integrating play in an optional sense in order to show that it increases efficiency, innovation, it makes you more compassionate and makes you better at your job, basically. And then finally, which I th- this is the most important thing, and this doesn't cost anything except time, and this is direct and ongoing access to organization administrators. And this is to encourage open and honest ongoing conversation. So the only point of this really is to have sit down face-to-face conversations between the clinicians and the administrators so that the administrators can really just learn to just shut up and listen to what doctors are saying without their ego getting involved. And physicians can get used to doing the same, like hearing, maybe getting to know the administrators and saying like, we thought you wanted to have an exercise room in the hospital and then no one used it. And then the physicians can say why. And it's direct communication. And what is so difficult, I find, is that it's like we do these surveys. They get sent out. It's like, oh, yeah, would it be nice to have a workout room? Oh, yeah, sure, that would be nice. But it's not really what is getting to the heart of the matter, which is really just I want autonomy. I want my own time. And I want to be listened to. So having these meetings, these maybe town halls or something that's really just administrators and physicians, I think is really, really powerful and costs nothing. So those are some of the ideas to bring back to your wellness programs, wellness committees that maybe wouldn't have to be like, we need to increase the budget. We need to do all these things that you probably, if you're in the wellness space, have already tried and (laughs) have been denied perhaps. So the next thing I want to mention is if you are someone who is just like, um, I can't even be on a committee. I just need my own wellness. Like, what do I focus on? And the list is actually really similar, except that you need to make time for it yourself. Now, this is hard to do. And I had a conversation with some of the people that I work with about this just this week, because we feel so much ownership over our patients and their well-being that it can be really hard to separate from that without this immense feeling of guilt. So what most of us do is instead of dealing with the guilt and uncovering the source of the guilt, we just work more or we just stay later or sign up for more calls, or do committees we don't want to be on, and these kinds of things, because we don't like the feeling of guilt. This is something that I really can relate to. I do not like the feeling of guilt. I'm very familiar with this feeling. So in your own personal wellness journey, one of the most powerful things I can tell you to do is to spend some time feeling guilty, (laughs) which is, I understand, a very unpleasant thing. I totally get it. However, If you can give yourself 30 minutes to really hone in on where the guilt or the shame or the people pleasing is coming from or the fear, which is really all it is, then it will make it easier to heal. So what I mean by this is 
you decide that I'm going to, you leave work on time. You're going to leave work on time. Maybe you leave some charts undone. Maybe you'll leave some tasks undone that are non-urgent and you'll walk out of your office with guilt instead of feeding that guilt with focusing on task work, staying later at work. And you just sit with the guilt and you do it anyway. And you go, You maybe you decide to go play or go have a little dance party in your car or go drive go-karts or golf or whatever it is, something fun and playful. And when you can do that repeatedly is really the source of your own personal wellness. And this has been my own, this has been my experience. I've done this experiment for myself many times and um, many of the phys- physicians I work for have had really great success with it as well. Mm-hmm.